Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. And today, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and today we have a special guest. Special guest, introduce yourself. Hi. Hi, everybody. My name is uh, Mason. Uh, some of you may know me as Professor D&D from TikTok. Um, and yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a general Dungeons and Dragons guy. I don't, uh, I don't know what more to say really <laughs> you know we have all our, our niches you know Dungeons and Dragons is all our niche and that's why we're here together <laughs> yep 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 exactly exactly all right and the reason I brought uh, Mason on today was to talk about his three classes he's been working on to for addition to you know the rest of the regular class set um can you give us a little brief explanation and then we'll kind of go into more details yeah, for sure. Um, so the three classes are the Skirmisher, uh, the Commander, and the Inheritor. I don't know why I did them in that order, because usually I list the Skirmisher last. But um, the Commander is, in large part, kind of um, an answer, a 5th edition answer to 4th edition's uh, Warlord class, which, looking back to 4th edition, the thing that I have seen the most people say they wish was in 5th edition that was in 4th was this class. Uh, general ideas to kind of make it so that, um, you know, party tactics, party synergy matters a little bit more and has some more mechanical weight. Because at the moment, most of the classes in 5th edition largely just make really good individuals uh, but oftentimes don't do a lot to make really good teams. So that's kind of what the commander's for. Uh, the inheritor, meanwhile, is uh, effectively kind of a sorcerer, but no magic. Um, so imagine, if you will, that uh, you are the descendant of a dragon, but instead of shooting fireballs because of this, you have like an extremely coarse and scaly hide and are very strong and things like that. It's kind of the physical manifestation of a supernatural inheritance as opposed to a magical uh, manifestation. Hence the name, the Inheritor. Um, and then last but not least is the Skirmisher, uh, which is kind of made to be a hyper-mobile uh, martial class for 5th edition. I think the most uh, mobile class that we have at the moment, uh, kind of at least... The most mobility baked into a class uh, is probably the monk. Um, and even still, it's just you're kind of mobile, mobile as long as you are spending key points and things like that. This uh, The skirmisher class tries to make it so that people can be mobile at all times and in all things. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind, of, uh, that's kind of the vibe. Those are the three classes, basically. But yeah, no, those sound amazing. I really like the Inheritor um, because you don't really get that. Like, you can be any race and have ties with the dragon, but you don't get too many physical attributes. Um, I think that's really awesome, this other side of the coin kind of inheritance. What kind of specialties are you thinking of right now? I don't know how much, like... I've read a, a bit of it, but also I've been recovering, unfortunately. <laughs> no sweat. No sweat whatsoever. So as far as subclasses are concerned at the moment, um, I have racked my brains about a dragon subclass ever since I came up with the idea for this particular class. 
Um, and because so much has been done with dragons thus far, I still just have not touched it largely just because it feels like anything I do is going to be messing with some subclass uh, of some other class, particularly right. after uh, Fizzbands uh, came out, right? right. Uh, with that kind of expanding things so much more. Uh, at the moment, the subclasses that are uh, in the Inheritor class are uh, Descendant of Divine Authority, which is basically like you are the descendant of some kind of like uh, angel or god or something like that. Not a, this one's more of like a kind of like, probably a lawful god of some kind. Uh, in fact, there's a mechanic built into it at one point where uh, it's called the God's Judgment. Um, and basically, you can kind of cast judgment on someone else, either in the affirmative or in the negative. And if it's in the negative, you deal damage to them. And the damage depends on, like, is your god uh, good, neutral, or evil? Uh, and the damage varies. Or, like, is the angel that you're from uh, aligned with good, neutral, or evil? And the damage varies depending. But the assumption is because it's this divine authority, it's probably going to trend toward lawful. Uh, depending on how this class goes, what people think of it, things like that. I have some ideas for some other uh, subclasses for these various classes. And one of the ones is probably going to be like Descendant of Divine Mischief or something like that, where it's a much more kind of chaotic mm -hmm. deity or angel that you're coming from. Uh, another one is called uh, Legacy of Heroes, which is kind of like imagine that you are like He-Man or Aragorn, or King Arthur, or like some other parallel where you are kind of the most recent descendant in a long line of like heroes, um, or rulers, or things like that. Um, and that kind of like lineage, or the fate of your lineage, um, is kind of the inheritance that you've gained. So like, because you are a part of this kind of like special piece of fate or this special story or this special legacy, uh, you're just kind of inherently harder to kill. And depending on what you do, you can sometimes like uh, summon the dead of, uh, of your forefathers to like fight for you and things like that, that kind of vibe. There's also a lesser lycanthrope, which basically was just kind of like my own little, uh, you want to be a werewolf. Here's a whole subclass for that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And then last but not least is the spawn of an Oblex, um, which Oblexes are like pretty new to D&D &D relatively. Yeah. From what I'm seeing, they're only in 5e um, and they're only in Xanathar's Guide, but they're basically an ooze that like absorbs people's memories and then disguises themselves as those people after they like consume them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if they take on too many personalities, so they house like multiple personalities, multiple people's faces, basically. Uh, but if they take on too many, eventually they just kind of shunt off a bunch of ooze along with one of the personalities. And then those ooze, that ooze eventually develops into an Oblex. So the idea behind the spawn of Oblex subclass is it makes it so that you can be a baby Oblex that's disguising as... Uh, someone that your parent ate, uh, and now you really want to go around and consume people and take their personalities. And when you do so, you get new proficiencies, like skill proficiencies, language proficiencies, so on and so forth. So those are the four inheritor subclasses at the moment.
Gotcha. So you've got like a minor god, a hero, a werewolf, or a cannibal. Yeah, yeah, an ooze cannibal specifically, but yeah, yeah. Just clarifying for those who just need the too long, didn't read. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Though the cannibal stuff kind of bleeds a little bit into the werewolf one as well, because mm-hmm. if you eat people while you're a werewolf, you get some bonuses and stuff too. So yeah, yeah there's that too. Things like when you got two classes that are these heroes and two that are just horrible like <laughs> monsters. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I like the eye zombie route, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm going to keep these memories and these are mine now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> sure, they were someone else's before, but that person is gone and I remain. And so they're mine. <laughs> so obvious, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the, out of the three, Inheritor's been one of the hardest kind of to nail down, but I mm-hmm. think also from a design perspective is one of the ones that I'm most excited about. And I feel like you can go like a lot of places with it. Where do you feel like, like wins? You're like, okay, I'm going to just wrap this up. Or do you feel like I got to add one more? I got to add one more. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, at the moment. So I've been play testing these classes and subclasses at this point for like, I want to say a few months, maybe like three, four months by now. So we've been testing them for a bit. And I've got like kind of a list, like I said, I've got kind of a list of other classes and subclasses that I want to work on. But at the moment, I'm like, listen, we've, this is already a lot. Let's just kind of focus on this, Mm -hmm. get this out there. Um, And then once we're done with that, we will, uh, we'll, we'll tackle the other subclasses and like put out another supplement or something like that with those. But even still, like on my lunch break and things like that, I've got another class that I just desperately want to make called, at the moment, it's called the Powder Master, but I don't like that name. Because <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's extremely vague. And like, depending on how people take it could be interpreted as like, drug related in a weird way. Like, hey, man. Hey, man. I want to be the powder master. And your DM's like, listen, we're not having that stuff in this campaign. Uh, but it's actually like a firearm type uh, individual who's just really focused on like making the best gunpowder, right? But I can't, uh, I can't freaking figure out a good name for that yet because so many people have already done stuff with guns yeah. uh, in, in like the kind of third party publisher sphere of fifth edition. All I'm hearing is that you are using other people creating things as an excuse not to just run with your own. Because look, yeah, the game is called Dungeons and Dragons. There's a lot of dragon shit. We all like dragons. Your stuff is still, I still want to hear about, I want to hear about this. Like, I imagine the one pirate from Pirates of the Caribbean that has his like beard on fire that just has like, he's like yeah. a moment in the beginning. That's what I, yeah, I want to see it. So I want this gun blast cannon man person. Glass cannon. Yes. Yeah. Like that. You got this. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, yeah. As soon as, as soon as I freaking get these four, get these, not four, get these three. I'm already adding the powder master to the list. (laughs) Once I get these three out. 
powder master i've already done i like during my lunch breaks will like write down like this is going to be a mechanic this is going to be a mechanic so that's definitely next one up on the docket for sure for sure very excited about it nice 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 do you okay so like you're just making sure like you don't step on other people's like classes and stuff like you're like all right just do they have this name damn they have this name okay how do you have this how you have to go through a couple iterations and stuff yeah 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 i for this reason like i just i have a, a decently large collection of like uh fifth edition third party publication pdfs so i can just like kind of skim them and be like, all right, so what are the what are the things that other people are doing? Um, if only just so that like I don't I I, I don't want to like just straight rip someone off, particularly in like tabletop publishing where so few people actually make any kind of money, right? Like the vast majority of the people making uh fifth edition stuff. Um if if they want any cash, probably won't get a whole lot, right? And so if nothing else, I just don't want to take uh, that cash out of someone else's pocket, if that makes sense. So I try not to just directly rip people off. Uh, but if if they've got an interesting idea or something like that, and I'm like, oh, but I don't like the way that that idea is executed, then maybe there's a whole thing from that. Right. But yeah, yeah, it's honestly and it makes it so that I feel sometimes like a kind of pressure to get it all published, uh, to get it all done sooner rather than later, if only just because then another book doesn't come out. Right. There's not another thing for me to be compared to. Um. But at the same time, like if you rush, you end up with a worse product. Um, and so, yeah, gotta take my time. So that's fair. That balance is difficult because you want to put out a good product, but you're also like rushing against that, like trademark that I need to get a good product out so I can tweak it later, but I'm not having to completely redo it. And then it seems like you were copying them afterwards. That's a tough place to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a real balancing act for sure. A real tightrope kind of situation. All right. Well, kind of got you into this this creation. Like you you kind of briefly kind of talked about why you picked these three character or these classes to go into. But like, what made you the leap from like what if to I'm gonna make it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. So. um I would say that like on some level, uh, kind of cla- not class design, but I would say on some level kind of game design has been a part of playing D&D pretty much since I started. Um, I'm like compared to many people, I'm a little bit newer to the hobby, but also like there are so many new people in the hobby right now that like uh, I've been I've been playing for about five years and I've been running for about four and a half of those five. And sometimes I'll tell that to people and they're like, Oh, you baby. And sometimes I tell (laughs) that to other people and they're like, Oh wow, you've been doing this for a while. Right. And so I never know exactly where I'm at compared relative to other people. But 
when I first started DMing, um, there was a bard in uh, in the party, and none of the none of the subclasses available at the time fit this guy at all. And I didn't know um, anything about like drive through RPG or DMs Guild or any of these like really vast resources of homebrew material. Uh, so I was like, oh, this sucks. Like none of this works. And so uh, so I just made a subclass for him. Um, he was a con man. That was his whole deal. And so I made a bard subclass called the College of the Con. And a whole bunch of like the two of us playing together was also kind of like he and I testing out this subclass that I'd made right after starting as a dungeon master. And really ever since then, I think like there was a wizard in that campaign too, whose whole vibe really kind of defied a lot of the subclasses available at the time. Probably at this point would fit more with an artillerist, but uh, Eberron wasn't out yet. Um, and so I made the school of artifice for him, uh, which was really focused on this like magical suit of leather armor that he tinkered all of the time. And so like he'd roll dice at the start of every day. And depending on what he rolled on the dice, his armor would do different things every day because he was just this kind of mad scientist adding stuff with no rhyme or reason. So I guess in in a big way, uh, making a full blown class was just kind of the um, the next step, um, if that makes sense. And it really all started with the commander class, which I'm really big into kind of the the tactics of D and love figuring out how to kind of like how to kind of contribute to the whole as a player during combat. Um, I really enjoy. You guys can see I'm in my dad's office for this. Uh, Alex, you were off before, but um, but I'm dog sitting for my family while they're out of town. And uh, as you guys can kind of tell back here, my dad's got a lot of board games. Uh, at this point, I think he has over 250 board games. And so most weekends growing up involved um playing some kind of board game with my dad it felt like um and so the kind of the rules and mechanics and figuring out how to kind of like game the system is something that i feel like has kind of been in me for a long time because of that um and combat in dnd is kind of the moment when that can come out the most i think um, and so I already really liked kind of trying to figure out how to fit all the different pieces together, uh, in the coolest way to make for really cool story beats during combat and also like help my friends play better by the things that I'm doing. Right. Um, but it always felt like it kind of came a little bit short. It felt like I could only do so much. And so that was really kind of where the commander class came from, uh, was me kind of wanting to have this class that I wish existed. Um, I think you guys have an episode that I listened to, to kind of prepare for today uh, called find a need, make a module, I believe is the title of it. If I remember right. Yes. It's Jasmine. I yeah. And I, I think, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Adrian. No, you're good. You're good. I was just going to say, I think in large part, that's kind of 
uh, what led to me starting to design classes was me kind of uh, finding a mechanical need in fifth edition D&D and being like, this is really cool. I like this. I like the potential of like what could be done with this and then kind of filling that space with my own little ideas. Essentially like the in-between spaces that are missing that would be perfect if we changed this, this, and you know what? I'm going to make a new thing. <laughs> exactly. 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 100%. Um, yeah. 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 I think it's funny um, when you said earlier about like how you said like you've been doing it for five years and people are like, wow, that's so long. And, you know, other people are like, ah, you baby. But I'm like, dude, you'll never be good enough for the gatekeepers. Okay. But we ain't playing for the gatekeepers. We're playing for ourselves. (laughs) Exactly, man. Exactly. Exactly. Like somebody's always going to be around saying, oh, like I played five more editions than you did or whatever. Or someone's going to look at the stuff that you make, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're making classes, if you're making subclasses, if you're making modules, someone's going to look at it and be like, oh, like I liked X version from two editions ago that you've never played more than what you've done, right? (laughs) My man, I I didn't know that was out there. I'm sorry. Good for you that you have something that you like more than what I did. I like what I did. (laughs) Hey man, at least you made the list, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, everyone, there's a lot of, like, people who just will just sling criticism like it's nothing. (laughs) For real, man. I feel like that happens a lot. Like, I mean, especially TikTok in general, just, like, people are just like, well, what about this? Or, I don't like this at all. Like, hey, cool. That's it. (laughs) Carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just like when you give the entire world a platform to share their opinions on without like any filter, Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to use it in the vast majority of the time. It's not going to be the most fun for everyone around them. (laughs) But that's what we signed up for, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I I also wish that people understood that once you start spewing hate like that, you are only furthering like the reach of videos like that. So if you do go on people and you're like, ah, I like so-and-so better, you're still giving them clout. Like that's what those apps are for. If you ignore it and you just flick on by, that message isn't going to be spread. It's going to start dying. But like once you start interacting and you start talking mm-hmm. to people – you're you're not helping you're only fighting more you're fighting a losing battle by actually interacting yeah 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 if what you're doing is trying to like beat someone down mm-hmm. you're failing the you're moment you open your mouth yeah yeah it's more fuel for the analytics <laughs> <laughs> yeah a robot getting your message that you like it what was one of your first characters in D&D my first character was a dragonborn named Torin Nondrakai. And he was just a dragonborn fighter, probably one of the most kind of classic combinations you can get in fifth edition right there. And he was, I think, I think a lot of people's first characters uh, kind of reflect them in some way. And I think Torin reflected me in the sense that he was just a nervous wreck. <laughs> Just an absolute mess psychologically. 
really needed some help. Um, and it was <laughs> the middle of like, it was kind of right after I was halfway through college. I had just barely started going to therapy again. <laughs> and it was kind of right in the middle of that. I also like, at the time I was taking a full-time class load, had two part-time jobs, was trying to still do a social life um, and play D&D for the first time. Um, and so I was pulling like one all-nighter a week uh, <laughs> in order to do all of this, right? So there were definitely some points where I just had that manic look in my eyes of like, yeah, let's play D&D. <laughs> like, my blood is probably solid caffeine at the moment, but let's go, you know? Yeah, that was my first uh, first character. The um, kind of the thing that made him unique was he had a baby that he carried at all times. <laughs> um, <laughs> he'd saved this baby from being sacrificed to Tiamat because he'd been raised in like the cult of Tiamat all his life. And as his rite of passage, they were like, here's this child. Go feed it to our dragon god. And he was like... I never had a father and now this child doesn't have a father either. And I don't want to like be the problem that caused me. And so he like has this existential crisis, runs away with the baby and lives a paranoid life thinking if I let go of this baby, the cult will come and kill it. So he just has it in a sling that's on him at all times in combat, everything. It was very unsafe. Uh, child <laughs> should have looked into it. It was not a good time for that child. So um, how's your appeal to Lucasfilm going right now? Because that sounds like you allowed the Mandalorian to exist and I, not get any credit. Listen, I basically made the Mandalorian five years before it came out. And I, I haven't gotten a single check from Dave Filoni. I don't understand. They won't return my calls. My lawyer isn't getting through to them. So on and so forth. I did not make that connection, but now I can't <laughs> not, not make that connection. <laughs> Look, my third graders, that is the topic of conversation. It is the Mandalorian. It is the child. It is Baby Yoda. It's that and the McDonald's stitch keychains right now. That's the hot topic in third grade. What a time to be alive. <laughs> truly. Truly. Stitch keychains? I missed that one. <clears throat> They're at McDonald's Happy Meals. I don't know if they have them currently. So, like, even time of recording, they may have already gone out of circulation. My kids know that I like Disney. And so they keep handing me them. And I keep putting them on my lanyard. And at this point, I'm the queen of third grade because I've got three. And the next closest is two. And I'm always well done. I, well I did done. myself. Well done. <laughs> Way to assert dominance to those third graders, you know? You know, it was like when we were in school, right? Like you had to have all like the jelly bracelets or like I had all those uh <laughs> before it was cool to be a crystal girl, like I had all the crystal bracelets, rose quartz, onyx. I had fifty I wore them all at one time. All of them at one time. Do you feel fully empowered? Oh my God. If I had only known, like what was therapy? I could have just kept wearing those bracelets and just been free. 
Exactly. Exactly. Just charge those up every couple of nights and yeah. and you'll rule the world. I was doing it right in elementary school and then somewhere I lost it, became an adult. Truly a shame. Truly. <laughs> yeah, what a curse. Let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> so Mason, what are you currently playing? Are you playing anything right now? Are you just deep in the writing? Oh no, yeah. I'm uh I'm I'm a I'm in too many games probably at the moment. What you being a social life and having a full class load and that didn't just stop. <laughs> it's like the habits of the past oftentimes continue in the future. No, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I I thought I would have shaken it all. Yeah. So um, let's see here. I'm. I currently play in two games. One of which is a fifth edition D and D game, uh, just classic kind of Minds of Fandalver type stuff. I'm playing a, a human, um, human blood hunter who's very old and watched all of his friends die and is about to retire. His name's Claudius. I think he's going to end up being the bad guy. Um, <laughs> so that's that. Um, all of my characters are very healthy. I don't anyone listening to this. Do we unpack it now on the mic or do we shut the mics off and have that therapy session afterwards? Listen, listen, we already unpacked Torin. We can unpack Claudius later. Um, yeah, my, uh, my DM and I have been talking and I think I'm, he's actually the second character that I've had in the campaign. The first one was an awakened cat. Uh, who uh, learned magic from his wizard master and then his wizard master died. And so he left to find the guy that killed his wizard master. So I've been talking to the DM and I think we're going to ditch Claudius and go back to that guy. So I'm being extremely flaky in that campaign, basically. Um, The other campaign that I'm playing in, we're using a setting book called Ultraviolet Grasslands, which is just a true trip and a half it's a really wild thing the book is very beautiful uh one of those books with like really cool art uh some great prompts in it things like that the system for that one i actually don't know i think my game master made the system for that game so i i don't i don't think technically um i don't know if it exists outside of our little campaign uh he's really great he does a good job so I'm playing in those two, and then I'm also running three campaigns. So I I live a very manageable life. I'm also <laughs> writing a fantasy book and just self-published a science fiction book, and I work a full-time job, and, you know, that social life thing isn't going to take care of itself. Don't mind me. I, I'm not drowning yet, just kind of on my way. It's only neck deep, okay? Talk to me when it's nose deep. Exactly. I can still <laughs> breathe. It's fine. You know, I lay in the tub like that, too. Just like where everything except my nose is covered. And that's just how I live my life sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it feels great in the tub. So surely it feels great as a lifestyle, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Just all my anxiety piling up. Mm. 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 Yes. Nice and warm. 
I see Mason's therapist trying to rapidly text and be like, what the fuck is happening, bro? Listen, man. Listen. <laughs> Reel it in. <laughs> I've got some notes for you for your next session. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. I'll let him know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is uh, the three campaigns that I'm running are uh, one is called Salter's Bastards and it's a military fantasy campaign in a kind of like early Renaissance type era. Uh, So black powder weapons are just being introduced. Gunpowder weapons, I should say. And uh, like a bunch of kind of constructs are beginning to be invented for warfare. So there's kind of some like magic tank warfare vibe type stuff. Um, the protagonists, the, the party are the senior officers, uh, of a military unit called the Salter's Bastards. And the whole idea is the, the campaign's kind of them navigating this civil war, uh, that their military just kind of started. So that's that one. And then another one's called the campaign before time. And it is a prehistoric D and D campaign. All of these also take place in my own homebrew setting that all of my campaigns happen in. Fun fun little tidbit there. Um, so Campaign Before Time is the second one, and it's like, that's basically the whole vibe. Um, think the start of Out of the Abyss, where everyone has been taken captive by, uh, you know, dark elves, drow, whatever you want to call them. Take that and... Uh, instead of them being taken into the Underdark, instead these uh, Dark Elves or Drow um, are kind of taking them to this temple uh, where they can sacrifice them to a Dark God. Um, And so they kind of like break out of that and then have to survive in a prehistoric jungle. And that's the whole campaign. And then last but not least, number three, uh, I call Apocalypse... Utopia Fallen, um, and it's basically uh, a campaign that takes place in the aftermath of the greatest civilization that ever exists on my homebrew setting, basically just being decimated, and it's just kind of a group of people trying to survive afterward. Kind of some science fantasy vibes, because the idea is that the society became so inundated with magic that it basically kind of was like sci-fi type stuff going on. So sci-fi apocalypse with magic, I guess, is kind of that campaign's vibe. Anyway, that's uh, that's what I'm running. Only that. Okay. Only that. <laughs> Only that. It's a very manageable lifestyle that I live. Yeah. Oy vey, that's <laughs> And then I also run, you know, the playtesting one-shots that have to happen for the classes, right? Because... Right. Those got to be tested. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, you just, I remember you used to like a, a bit ago, you're like, I'm stepping away from content creation. I'm like, this is, this is probably, this is probably why <laughs> there's a lot going on in Mason's life. And Mason, Mason's doing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I'm managing. And, you know, sometimes you got to be like, hey, I'm just going to take a break from this one part so that I can do the other 20 parts that I'm a little bit more committed to at the moment. I'm going to drown a little less. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. you're doing a lot, dude, and that's pretty great. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun time. It's a fun time. As busy as it is, I usually like uh, I usually get to play in a D and D campaign once a weekend, and then run a D and D campaign once a weekend, which is I it's a lot of fun. I have a good time. Nice, awesome. Otherwise, we shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what's your like? We'll talk about the degrees part for the first time. I don't know in like eight episodes. Uh, what is like an actual self care routine that you help recharge? Because if you are doing all these things, I'm hoping you're not a hundred percent depleted. And I know that D and D to a certain degree recharges my battery, so I'm going to assume at least a little bit recharged. But like, what do you do to maintain this beautiful and glamorous lifestyle that you live? Uh, thank you so much for asking. <laughs> um, I will say that, like in in a lot of ways, I think D and D is kind of the recharge uh, for the rest of life for me. Um, I work a copy editing job for a big corporation, sending letters uh, to people that uh, really don't want letters from me, and so my nine to five uh, on only the rarest of occasions. Uh, do I end my nine to five job and think to myself, yeah, yeah, that was, I feel super excited, right? <laughs> um, which a, a fair number of people I think are probably also in that camp, but also, you know, because of this, eh, maybe looking for some other, some other work, but all this to say at the end of a long day of work, a lot of the time I'll sit down and be like, all right, let's look over the classes again. Or uh, let's look at this thing that I'm doing for this one campaign. Or let's look over my character sheet again. And that really does like give me a boost uh, when I'm not super feeling it. So in a lot of ways, uh, kind of the, the prep stuff and the design stuff is kind of a... Um, is a little bit of self-care insofar as I can kind of go into a flow state and get energized by that, you know? Um, other self-care stuff that I do, I make sure to leave the house, uh, you know? Um, I work from home, so, like, with all of this going on, it can be really easy for me to go, like, if... If I am not proactive, I could feasibly go like four days without having to leave my home, right? So one of the self-care things that I think is really important for me is kind of getting out and, uh, you know, building building the meaningful relationships, right? Um, obviously, with me dog-sitting for my family, my family lives really close by. Uh, which is actually a big part of the reason why I live where I live right now. Uh, I'm the oldest in a pretty big family, uh, the oldest of six kids. Woo! Um, nice. And nice. Oldest yeah. siblings unite. I feel yeah. Like. Um, okay. yeah. Everything you're yeah. doing is perfect. It does not have to mean anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of to that point a little bit, like, Part of the reason why I live where I live is so I can be around for my two youngest sisters who are the only ones at home at this point, right? Uh, kind of be present, uh, give them rides when they need, things like that. 
And so every couple of days, I'll come by the family house, play a board game with my dad, uh, talk to my younger sisters about the various men, not men, boys that they're flirting with. Hopefully not men. That was, oh. <laughs> um, uh, talk to my sisters about the various boys that they're flirting with, talk to my mom about how she's doing, things like that. So I think that's, um, I know for plenty of people, family can be very problematic. And I'm very grateful that in my particular case, I can kind of have that uh, social system as as a bit of a kind of self-care routine all its own. Um, I am also a um, a little a little spiritual, a little religious. Um, and so I do also kind of go through um, some meditation, uh, some prayer stuff like that to also kind of help uh, center me on days when I am very off of center uh, for whatever reason. So yeah, yeah, those are those are a bunch of those are a bunch of the kind of like self care things that I do. Does sound like really healthy, solid self care uh, that I'm copious taking notes in my brain of things that I probably should start doing and uh, remember. <laughs> I should go outside and just not for work. <laughs> I should not just go outside for recess. I should go outside. Just for me? For me? Yeah. What a concept. Wow. What an idea. <laughs> yeah, every time that I leave the apartment, I'm like, Ugh, I could be doing other things. And then I'm outside and I'm like, no, it's, uh, it's probably good I'm here. It's probably good. <laughs> probably okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's it called? I saw there's this John Green TikTok. I saw it was like, I hate that I do these stupid talks, walks to do fix my stupid brain, and it's freaking working, and I hate it. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think about those every time I go outside these days. Yeah, I'm thinking that I should be thinking that when I'm <laughs> need to get out. I usually just crash and just. Just edit, edit all day. <laughs> hey, there are plenty of days where, like, after a long day of work, if I'm like truly at the bottom of the barrel, I'll just kind of like sit down and watch like D and D live streams or some crappy science fiction TV or something for just like two hours and just uh veg <laughs> um, out yeah 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 so i feel that deeply two hours if i'm lucky sometimes yeah yeah make room for all that D. <laughs> yeah 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 give me a second sorry yeah no sweat no sweat no also second. thanks for asking alex it's a oh, great yeah. question you know we gotta get into this, the healthy parts of what we do because it's some people just think it's like you know, that stupid rise and grind work mentality. Yes. Hey, man, if you're not making content, you get out of the way, bucko. <laughs> I'm coming through. Yeah, man. The whole, like, wake up at 3 a.m. so you get two hours <laughs> of extra work thing or whatever. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, no. I, I've, I, st- I stopped trying to make, like, I, don't know, I would say I stopped trying to make content. I'm just... I've diverted my ideas to a different kind of content at this point. It's like, 
I would say that like, yeah, I have some main content, but I've, I'm, I'm producing like three hours of content <laughs> a week and I don't, and it's, I know it's not TikTok, but it's, it's but something. It's something. <laughs> yeah. It's something. Yeah. 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 This is just my, this is my socialization. Cause I, I don't leave this, this, this town much. I am, I am leaving this weekend. Thank, thank the Lord. Congrats. Yeah, Congrats. I know. I'm going to go Dallas. Nice. Nice. Also. Yeah. I, in the I know episodes. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, Alex. It's for somebody's birthday. First time I'm hearing about you coming within 20 minutes of where I live. Um, because I, I can't do that. Cause like every time I go somewhere and I like, I know all my people, like there's a lot of people in Dallas that I know. I can't tell anybody because then I don't want to go visit them. So I have to stop myself from visiting everybody. <laughs> For those of you not present, Alex doesn't look like she likes that response. <laughs> <laughs> no, because Adrian's probably the only person I socialize that outside of my my school circle and mm-hmm. and he's just a he's just a comfort person. And when you could see your one person in person and not through a computer screen or through Discord or sending Team Rocket gifts back and forth to each other when you're both <laughs> feeling ill at the same time, that's it. It's we fine, should definitely not hang out if we're both ill is all I'm going to say. You know what? It's fine. <laughs> it was a one-two punch for me. I was sick and then I got sick again. So I don't – this is my life now. Okay, this voice, this is my life. I don't this know. This is Alex's normal voice. I don't know what you've been hearing beforehand. That was not this Alex's is voice. This so is wheezing, it. Yes, you're right. Also, kind of while we're on this note, because I did hear in other podcast episodes that both of you guys were in Texas. I lived in Dallas three different times growing up and then lived in Houston for like two years as an adult as well. I don't know what it is about Texas, but something keeps yanking me back in Drawing i feel back like. in yeah it's all the lassos <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not a metaphorical thing they literally yeah. keep yanking me back yeah, yeah. i do yeah. remember moving down here because i moved in kindergarten and i remember crying and bawling because i was like i don't know how to ride a horse how am i gonna get anywhere if I don't know how to ride a horse. All of the kids will be riding horses and I will be the only one that doesn't. I sound funny. I can't say my R's or my A-R's or my E-R's because fuck Boston. And <laughs> how am I to survive? Yep. Yeah, you made it. <laughs> there are cars down here just in case there is a kindergartner for whatever listening to us. Please don't. Please turn it off. Please stop. Please but give the parents' phone back. Yeah. But thank you for the support. But there are cars here. And Mason, if you ever come back, we would love to have you. And even if you're down here, let's go get coffee or, or brunch or I don't know what adults do. I don't. We go to game stores that have coffee game or something like that. Game stores that have coffee. I've only seen one. But I haven't been looking recently because I don't live anywhere that has a game store uh, in Arizona. It's like a cafe and a board game place in the same little area, which is kind of cute. But uh, 
not here, not here in Alpine. <laughs> my uh, my dad has a game store in Seattle that he desperately wants to take me to that has a built-in cafe inside of it. And he's like, we could just spend a whole day in there playing board games. Go get food, play a board game, go get more food, play a board game. <laughs> he's like, like let's go on vacation, man. And I'm like, dad, this is so sweet. I also really can't at the moment and i apologize for that we protect your dad at all costs now he is our dad your dad is our dad (laughs) (laughs) truly truly an excellent man an all father if you will (laughs) (laughs) that was great that was great i'm assuming with the board games i think he would take that as a compliment i think that would go into the the core memories i think so Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. But yeah, I'm sorry, Alex, I'll be in Dallas. No, it's okay. All right. Um, real quick, I wanted to ask you about dice. Do you hoard dice or do you just have a small set? That's a good question. I I feel like I'm somewhere, I feel like I am probably trending towards small set, but I, I have more than one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a little fun fact about me, all of my D20s have names. I name all of my D20s. I'm so glad I asked this question. <laughs> I am absolutely happy you asked this question. I, I have a red and black uh, chess X uh, set, just classic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that one's called OG because it's my first set of dice, right? And then I have a blue and white called Cosmo. Um, and then a kind of like uh blue and silver swirl set of dice uh called ravenclaw and then uh what else what else what else what else what else i recently i don't know if you guys follow golden gorgon on yes she gave me a d20 because she's just a gem of a person um and we met at one point um, and I am still very honored that she did so. It ha- It's kind of like transparent, but with a dark cloud in the middle of the dice and with golden numbering. And so I called it Orthax because it was right when I was watching Legend of Vox Machina. And it kind of made me think of that with the cloud and the gold, mm-hmm. kind of like the burning eyes and all that. Yeah. Also have a just kind of classic black and white set. And the D20 from that one is called Little Boy. And then I have a big chonky D20 uh, that's like the exact same, except it's like three times as big. And I call that one Fat Man, <laughs> which I'm realizing that I might want to rename those because I named them those because they're the t- two names of the... They're the names of the two atomic bombs. And I was like, it's <laughs> But then I'm like, that's probably extremely insensitive. <laughs> and so I'm definitely probably going to rename those pretty soon. Just because <laughs> that's probably not something to like, one, be making a joke about, or two, be glorifying. <laughs> so... Anyway, that's what they're named at the moment. But if there are people listening that are like, shame on you, you're probably right. And I am going to change the name shortly. Or you can go on to your TikTok and just flood the comments (laughs) of how upset you are 
Um, Not to boost the algorithm at all. Yeah, specifically on like low numbered videos. Absolutely. 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 Because that way your comments won't get drowned out because there are so few comments (laughs) on those videos. You should absolutely go and do that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. We're advocating this. <laughs> tell me, tell me how awful it is that I've that I've done what I've done. Please. Each word is is going to be in one comment, please. Yes. <laughs> and respond yeah. to other comments and share and post <laughs> your Instagram and post everywhere and yeah. Absolutely. Send forth the word that I have named Dice after atomic bombs. Tell everyone. <laughs> Text your family. Uh, send it in an email to your local congressman. Whatever it takes, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think they're gonna fall for it? Do you think they're gonna fall for it? <laughs> Fingers crossed. We can only hope. The last one, the last one is a white and gold set with gold lettering and then kind of white sparkly swirly stuff. Um, and that one is called Apollo. So those are, those are my dice. I love that awesome. cute little family that you have there. Um, and we did recognize the Harry Potter reference that was off of there. Uh, Adrian yeah. and I, while you were describing the dice, we had that, that moment that I was like, Oh, huh, like, uh-huh. I got the stars on my arm and then I didn't, I didn't show you the tiara because that's inappropriate for <laughs> anything. All right. Uh, <laughs> and that is the explicit tag. Once again, faithfully earned <laughs> yeah. another, another one. It's on the like under boob sternum area. Like I, mm-hmm. Which is a classic spot. Right. A classic spot spot. for like the Ravenclaw diadem. Like, don't come at me. That's exactly where that's supposed to be. Where am I going to put it? Absolutely. When Harry Potter got the diadem, that is actually where he put it. He like wrapped it around his ribcage. That's only logical because then no one's going to look for it. No one's going to try to like search you. Like, exactly. It makes sense. That's the uncut version of the last book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow made the cutting for. I don't know how it did that. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know why they left it out of the movies, but know. bizarre. Yeah, it's probably just because they didn't want us to see Daniel Radcliffe shirtless, and I don't know why. I don't I, know why. But he gave us that blessing that was Equus, right? Like he said, Harry Potter's over. He's done. He was the boy who lived and then died and then lived again. Now. Full on. Full Top on. to bottom. All right. <laughs> Any other questions, folks? We just <laughs> We took a little bit of a turn, but let's bring it back. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, any other questions, Alex? No, Mason, you've been 110% a delight on this podcast. And you are more than welcome to come back and plug whatever it is. And you can bring your dad with you. And if you want to bring anybody else, more the merrier. But the father is absolutely invited. It's <laughs> It's been a true privilege. Truly a treat. I really can't thank you guys enough. An excellent time. 10 out of 10 would recommend to anyone listening. <sighs> If you've made it this far. Yeah, if you've made it this far. 
if if you've made it this far outlasting everything else that we've done and the Ravenclaw diadem and my naming of the dice and this, that, and the other, thank you. You know what, though? I never thought about naming my dice, and now I feel like they they need, like, they need some names. Cause Honestly, I feel way more connected to them Ooh. whenever I'm rolling the dice. What? What? She needs to play right now. She really does. She came in with that toy and was immediately like, hey, <laughs> listen. What kind and of pupper you know, are you watching? What is this pupper? What is the pupper situation? Um, so we have two puppers here. Hold on a second. We have Rosie, who my father calls <laughs> Roslyn. I want chipses. She is a she's truly a tender, a tender woman. Um, a very kind soul. Um, she's great. She used to be a show dog, uh, and then we adopted her. Um, and we think she may have been abused because when she first arrived, she would run away from any man, um, which, you know, understandable, but still not the most common response. Um, her owner was a really old lady. Her previous owner was a really old lady and her handler was a guy. And so we think that maybe her handler was uh, on some level abusive, but now we've had her basically since the start of the pandemic and so holy cow scout can you give it can you give it a rest uh she will to me listen i i don't get what's going on here you're talking to no one <laughs> Adrian said hour mark he said you'd be done where's my walk we had a deal um <laughs> But yeah, Rosie's, uh, we've had her for a couple of years now, and she's just truly a very happy, a very happy dog now, which is great. Very happy to see it. And then the other one, the one that's squeaking so much, give me it. The one that's squeaking so much is named Scout, after Scout from To Kill a Mockingbird. And she is a Labradoodle. It, unless I'm mistaken, I believe both my, uh, one of my younger sisters and my father both their uh, favorite book is To Kill a Mockingbird. A couple years ago, my dad went to a, a 1960s Hollywood-themed party, and he went in the full three-piece suit of uh, Atticus Finch from the To Kill a Mockingbird movie, which I think he still owns because he just loves that character. And so Scout is named after Scout from To Kill a Mockingbird, and she is a tremendously needy, uh, tremendously hyper labradoodle that trends more in the direction of the doodle than the lab. Uh, but I love her dearly nonetheless. She's also, it seems like, allergic to everything. So she's constantly scratching uh, and we constantly give her medication. So those <laughs> are the two dogs that I am taking care of. I am obsessed. I also have a Rosie who is the very sweetest thing. Um, she's a little nutso though. She wears a thunder jacket constantly and the only person I have to blame for that is me because I got her when she was a puppy and for some reason that's what she is but we love her and I'm I that has filled my cup for today thank you for your pup introduction and if that doesn't make the podcast I don't even care because it makes me happy I know Adrian 
It's on the cutting floor. I'm editing it. On the cutting floor. Some off-screen editors just giving everyone the signal. <laughs> cut. Cut. We We're past time. <laughs> we gotta go to commercials. We gotta go. <laughs> listen. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, if I was ever on like a late night show and had Jack Hanna come on with animals, I had some sort of dog situation, any animal situation, it would be only chaos. I'm sure everybody involved would be like, this, ah, fuck, this is doomsday. The animals are here. Alex is going to lose her mind and she's going to want to play with every single one that comes on stage. For fifteen minutes each, but you're not you're not in the wrong, you know. <laughs> no. Nope. All right. Oh, uh, Mason, where can they find you? Um, y'all can find me at Professor D and D on TikTok. I do. Holy cow, she's really gone. <laughs> um, I do also have a website uh, called MrMasonAllen.com. Uh, but that's more for like book stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Fun fact about me: I have self-published two novels as well, which we didn't even talk about. Um, it means we have to have you back. Oh no! <laughs> what a shame. Um, but yeah, y'all can uh, y'all can check that out uh, if you're so inclined. Yeah, that's basically where you can find me. All right, amazing, Alex. Yeah. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. We appreciate every listen, and we're so happy that you are here. Um, Feel free to follow us on all social medias. We are present and hopefully a little more active, but, you know, uh, we got to take care of ourselves first, and we're doing the best we can. (laughs) Um, You can also help support us on Patreon if that's allows you to or share it and get our our population growing um you can also join our discord if you want to have a little bit more of a community there um and thanks again for listening all right well thank you so much for listening my name's adrian and i'm alex and i'm mason go have some fun